Okay, we ready? Just about. Let's go. Right, so this is episode 14 of the Bon Jovi Talk podcast. Uh, today, I've got the drummer of the Blaze of Glory album, played on Destination Anywhere, played on Undiscovered Soul, uh, as we know, the, the Richie solo album. I've got Kenny Aronoff today on the, the podcast. Um, I, like, I can't believe that. I've got a man as a guest so early on into the podcast, but there we go. I'm, I'm absolutely delighted to have him on. Um, as we know, he's a fantastic drummer, played in one of the the best albums, not just from, from Bon Jovi or John, but of all time with, with Young Guns too. Um, so, Kenny, I'll, I'll let you introduce yourself. Well, uh, I'm Kenny Aronoff, <laughs> and I'm, on, <laughs> I'm right now in Raleigh, North Carolina, on the... Uh, yeah. Experience Hendrix tour with uh, the virtuoso guitar player Joe Satriani and Doug Pink on bass and vocals, who's the uh, one of the founding members of, of King's X. And we are on this incredible tour. Started on March 3rd and ends on April 6th. And uh, it's just a, a huge, large amount of musicians all playing Hendrix songs. And as a matter of fact, uh, when we were in Nashville the other night, uh, Phil X and John Shanks and Tico Torres came to uh, watch us play. Um, so yeah, that's 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 uh, that's wh- where where I'm calling from, Raleigh, North Carolina. We have a night off tonight. So how did the um, the, the Jimi Hendrix experience come about? How did you get involved in that? Well, I was on tour with John Fogarty and ZZ Top this summer, and I got a call from Joe Satriani's manager. Uh, and wanted to know if I was available to go on tour in, um, you know, March and then also in October. And um, I said, man, I would love to. And they said, could you commit to it? And I went, absolutely. Because I played with Joe Satriani in a super group called Chickenfoot uh, when Chad Smith, who's one of the founding members of Chickenfoot. And for those who don't know what Chickenfoot is, uh, it's uh, it was uh, it's um, Sammy Hagar and Michael Anthony from Van Halen, and then it's Joe Satriani and uh, and it was Chad Smith from the Chili Peppers. Oh. Chad Chad had to go on tour with uh, the Chili Peppers, so he recommended me. And we actually did play um, London when we did it. I think it was 2012. But um, yeah, so that's how I I remained friends with Joe, and he picked me to be in his. Uh, Trio, and we're, uh, you know, our own entity. You know, we we we, you know, I have, I have my own drums. Everybody's got their own instruments because a lot of people sit in on, on the show, and they use the same basic, uh, they use the same drummer for all the other uh, performances, which is Chris Layton from uh, Steve Ray Vaughan's band. He's a great drummer, and then they'll use uh, the original bass player in the Jimi Hendrix Experience. Not no Redding. Well, actually, what no Redding was the original Hendrix uh, bass player. Might have been from my like, obviously from England, 
Uh, I can't remember if it was from Liverpool. But anyway, <laughs> the point is, uh, the, the, there was a, um, oh, I'm spacing on his name. Uh, he's, he's, he's uh, oh, Billy Cox, who's oh. like 80 years old, sings like amazing, walks amazing, plays amazing, acts like he's 50. And uh, and he's the other bass player with Chris Layton. And, and he trades off with um, uh, another bass player. Um, and uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. I was actually looking at you know some of the the recording artists that you've worked with, and you've got such a good list of names on there. Obviously, mm. not just Bon Jovi. Take take Bon Jovi aside. Some of the names that you've got on there. I was looking. You've got obviously people from years back, and then you've got people who are current now. You know, like Brandon Flowers was one that that stuck out for mm -hmm. me because um, I quite yeah. like the Killers, and I like Brandon's solo stuff and. Some of the names that you've got on on, on your list on your resume are, are absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, you know, I've just worked real hard, but the the things that are unique is that you know usually when you become famous as a drummer, which is very difficult to do anyway, uh, usually you get pigeonholed as a live drummer or a studio drummer, and I managed to be very successful at both. Then. The other thing is you get pigeonholed as, oh, he's a rock drummer. Yeah. Oh, he's a country drummer. Or he's a fusion drummer. Or he's an R&B drummer. And um, I broke all those rules. I broke every single mold. I mean, I, uh, to give you a short example. I mean, I recorded and performed with Johnny Cash, Willie Nelson, Chris Christopherson, Wayne Jennings, George Jones, Loretta Lynn, you know, really traditional hardcore country artists. But then I, you know, came to came to Wales and recorded with Tony Iommi and Glenn Hughes and Mammoth, and then I toured the, the world with the Smashing Pumpkins and recorded with Alice Cooper. And those are harder bands. But then I also played with Buddy Guy, Ray Charles, and BB King. And I recorded with them. Um, but then uh, I did, uh, you know, the, the female artists like, uh, you know, Melissa Etheridge, you know, Celine Dion. Uh, Michelle Branch, Evan Levine, Lance Morissette, and then the more traditional artists, which is, you know, like the Elton John, the Sting, uh, you know, the uh, Santana, Rod Stewart, uh, Joe Cocker, Bob Seger, Bob Dylan, Iggy Pop. Um, you know, hell, I even performed recently with Lady Gaga and Bruno Mars at the Kennedy Center Honors. Uh, Springsteen, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Yeah, but that that is one thing that I noticed. As I said, when I was looking at the list, I was thinking it's not just a, a fantastic resume, but so like it, it's really diverse. So as you said, there you know you've got people like John Bon Jovi and Elton John, Bob Dylan, and then on the flip side, you've got Ricky Martin and Avril Lavigne. And yeah. I, I was looking, I was mm -hmm. thinking, wow, that's a really different type of mix of of people that you've got. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's true. The thing that that uh, I'm fortunate that you know the producer these producer i'm the go-to guy because when when i play and i was telling dave Grohl this because the, when i did the kennedy center honors uh the first year i did it i had to play with seven artists doing we were honoring the who in one part of this show the Ken, let me explain the kennedy center honors is a a very very uh it's a very intense high level uh, show it's like it, it would be like playing in the world cup mm. or in, in our country the super bowl or the world series 
or you know, um, it, it's it's you know the president of the United States is there. It's in an elegant hall. It'd be like playing uh, for the Queen at um, Royal Albert Hall. Yeah, that's what it's like. And so, you know, there's a lot of pressure. They got 16 cameras. They're filming. They're recording, and uh, you have to be able to read music. And but anyway, my point is, when I played the Who segment, you know, with Dave Grohl and and Chris Cornell and uh, other people, you know, five other artists. You know, I played like Keith Moon. I wrote every single note that he played on those songs, and I tried to emulate Keith Moon as if I was an actor in a movie, and I just got into the role of crazy Keith Moon, playing on top of the beat, reckless abandonment, kind of almost like a drum solo going through the music. But what I pointed out to Dave is the next segment that I had to rehearse for was I was in the George Jones segment which is honoring one of the most traditional country artists ever. And I was telling Dave, like, check this out. When I play the hi-hat, I'm going to play very, very, very light. Because in country music, the hi-hat's just kind of like a little metronome, keeping time. And the bass drum, instead of slamming the beater into the head, I come off the head, and all I'm trying to do is support the tones on the bass guitar. And the snare drum, I don't hit very hard. I don't, usually I hit the rim of my snare drum and the center of the drum. But with the country music, that country music, that traditional country music, I hit the center of the snare drum and um, played it lighter. And and I played either in the middle of the beat or I played behind the beat, laid back. And when I was telling Dave that, he was like, wow, because he only plays like Dave Grohl, which is great. He doesn't have to play like anybody else. He's doing fine with the proof writers. Yeah. But when you, when you're a session drummer like me, my goal, my 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 role is to be extremely authentic at the style of music that I am playing. I have to play like the, as traditional as I can that will serve that kind of music, and that I got a reputation for that. That as as I said, like you know, you've got. Obviously, you want to play out, you know, the way you want to play, and obviously, with the bunch of names that you've got, the list of names, obviously, it, it's going to be people are obviously going to have their their mind, their way of having you play on their albums as well, and on their singles. And one thing when I was looking at the list was with that list of names, is there anyone in particular that you wish you would have played for, or play, you know, played live with, or or, or you know, released just a song with? Well, anybody that's on that list, I already played with. You know, uh, the list that is on my website, I already played with those people. But are you asking other people? Yes. Yes. Yeah, sorry. So, oh, if there was anyone who's who's not on the list. Oh man. Oh man, there's so many people I'd love to play with. Um, oh, I'd love to play with Queens of the Stone Age. You know, or anything with Josh Home would be cool. Um. I like everything, you know. I mean, I mean, there's so many people. You know, the lead singer, guitar player, piano player from Muse just popped into my head. I mean, that guy is so gifted as a, as a songwriter, singer, guitar player, piano player. He probably, probably plays drums better than me, you know. <laughs> that guy, I would love to tour with Sting. Um, yeah. You know, um, 
you know, experience. I mean, I'd, I'd played live with him, but I would love to tour with him. You know, and I'd like to have Jeff Beck as my guitar player. <laughs> Did you have <laughs> so cool? Yeah, I've never played live with Jeff, but Jeff, but I might be. I mean, he was on Blaze of Glory, but yeah. he didn't record at the same time. Yeah, he came in a different time. But jeez, uh, uh, I mean, I like so many. I like anything that's authentic. Anything that's authentic. Uh, hell, I, I'd love to do it, be, be like the White Stripes with Ed Sheeran. He plays, <laughs> plays guitar, I play drums, no bass. You know, anything. If, 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 it's, if, it, if it's authentic and, and I'm playing with great musicians, it's all good. It's always good, you know? Did you, um, did you never do anything with David Bowie? I never did, no. I never got the opportunity to... Um, Record or play live with him. Yeah, never. Me, me dad. Cool. Yeah, me dad's a, ma I mean, a massive Bowie yeah. fan. Um, and when I was saying that I, I've got you on the podcast, he was wondering whether you whether you'd been on anything with Bowie before. No, I mean, when I was in a giant Cougar Mellencamp band, we we really looked up toward uh, you know David and John and really took a lot of ideas from him. As a matter of fact, when we were doing. American Fool, which won two Grammys. Uh, John brought in, um, um, oh man, spacing his name, I haven't said his name all. You know, David's a main guitar player forever. Uh, the blonde haired guy from England. Um, Damn, what's his name? Uh, spacing it out. Nick, no, Ronson, Mick Ronson. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. When Mick came in, is it Mick or Nick? Yeah, Mick, Mick Ronson. Mick, yeah, Mick came in. And he was the one, the, the biggest hit single that John Mellencamp ever had. I don't know if you know, it's called Jack and Diane. It's no. got a big drum break in the middle of it, which really put me on the map. And uh, we were struggling with that song. And uh, I ended up programming a drum machine because that was the newest thing. You know, a drum machine. It was a Win-1 drum machine. I programmed it. I mean, I was really frustrated because I was being replaced by a machine. <laughs> You know, it's 1981. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm going to be replaced by a machine. I'd already been replaced by two drummers the year, the two years before. And then, and then all of a sudden they wanted that this big drum solo and I had to create a drum solo, but that would be suitable on pop radio. And, you know, it was huge. It was this big break, uh, kind of like what Phil Collins did on In the Air Tonight. Oh, uh, yeah. But, but then it was Mick Ronson that said, well, he was there. And he said, look, um, keep have Kenny keep playing the drums and you do a drum groove, a beat, and sing the chorus on top of it. Everybody be singing it. You know, you know, uh, oh, yeah, life goes on. I don't seem to do it. Anyway. <laughs> It was like, it was really cool. And it was a mixed idea. So that's, that's as close as I got to Bowie. Yeah. He said he was a fantastic guitarist, Mick Ronson, like I must admit, really good guitarist. Yeah, yeah. He, he was uh, exceptional coming up with cool parts. And he looked cool. And he wasn't like the guitar player, like takes these like screaming fast solos. He was a melodic guitar player. He came up with parts and ideas. Uh, did you ever listen to his, his um, solo album? 
No, it was it was no. pretty good, really good, really good album. Um, yeah. Obviously, I only got into it through my dad, but it was I enjoyed it. It was a good album from from what I heard of it. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, as as I said at the start, we all know that you played on the legendary album Young Guns too. So obviously, I've got I've got to speak about that. So sure. how how did that come about? How did you know? Obviously, John's in the band for six or seven years before he decided to go solo for a short time so how did how did he approach it on, on on playing drums for that album well i got a call one day from john uh it was he just called up said hey kenny it's john bon jovi and went wow cool <laughs> he says listen i'm writing a couple songs for this this uh movie soundtrack called young guns he said uh, would you be in the recording them. I said, yeah, of course. And he says, well, I'll call you in a couple of weeks. I'll tell you what the, try to figure out what the schedule is. Calls me in a couple of weeks and says, well, I got four songs I wrote for the movie. I went, oh my God, that's even better. And then he goes, I'll call you in a couple of weeks and tell you what's going on. Calls you up in a couple of weeks and says, dude, I just wrote 10 songs for the album and I'm going to act in it. I'm going to be, it's going to be the soundtrack for the movie. I'm like, oh man, I'm like, Totally excited. I'm going to be recording with John Bon Jovi. He calls me a couple of weeks later. He says, I got good news and bad news for you. I said, well, what's the good news? He said, well, Jeff Beck is going to play on the album. I went, oh, my God. <laughs> I said, I've always wanted to play with Jeff Beck. I was flipping out. I said, what's the bad news? Oh, well, Jeff wants to use Terry Bozio, the drummer. And I went, oh. Okay. And I went, well, what can I say? Terry Bozio is an amazing drummer. So I hung up the phone and I was like really bummed out. I was walking back and forth in my house in Indiana going, God, this sucks. And about five hours later, I get a call from the other, there's two producers, John and a guy called Danny Korchmeyer. Yeah. Danny calls me up and goes, hey, King, what's up, man? This is, oh, uh, yeah, not much. He says, listen, have your drums there at 9 a.m. on Tuesday. I went, Danny, have you talked to John lately? <laughs> yeah. Well, John, didn't John tell you I'm not playing on the record? He said, oh, bullshit. You're playing on the record. He said, no, I'm not. He said that Jeff Beck wants Terry Bosio. He went, fuck that. He goes, listen, Jeff Beck, and I, sh I should have known this. Jeff Beck's not going to go in and, and track guitar all day long with us. We record the song. Jeff Beck comes in, plays a solo two or three times and leaves. That's the way it's going to work. You're the right guy for the album. Have your drums there at 9 o'clock. That's amazing. <laughs> That's what happened. Wow. <laughs> well, That's what happened. And then John and I became very close. We, we had met each other. When Mellencamp was big, um, and we were on the same label, uh, Bon Jovi was starting to come up. I remember we did like a farmade or something. I'll never forget. He had long hair and mm. like a leather jacket with fringe on it. And he was, wow. I mean, he was you know, a real good looking guy. And he was uh, an up and coming rock star. He looked like a rock star. And I'm, he was, you know, always friendly. And then, um, yeah, and then when we did this record, we we hang out. It'd be like me and him and Jeff. Beck would go to the movies, 
because uh, I wrote an autobiography called Sex, Drums, Rock and Roll, mm-hmm. and John was one of the guys I had interviewed in the book because I, I wanted to interview people that were significant in my life. And playing on Blaze of Glory was significant. Very, one of the most important records because it was very successful. And it really, uh, when Mellencamp took a break from touring and making records, I created a whole new business, which was being a, a session drummer. And that was one of the biggest records I recorded. And then we'd stay in touch. I mean, he invited me to go on a two-week motorcycle trip across the country. And I didn't do it because I was such a workaholic. I had recording sessions. That's one of my regrets that I didn't, I didn't do that. I didn't, I should have said to hell with it, not record it and take, have that experience going across the country on, on Harley's. Yeah. Um, but then John started hiring me. Like I did a Billy Falcon record. I did an Alda Nova. He's an artist from Canada. Yeah. Um, all, all kinds of stuff, you know? And, um, and then he, yeah, you know, obviously I did his next solo record, and um, and, um, and then we went to the Super Bowl together. We all chipped in some money. We got our own jet and flew down there uh, to New Orleans. And he was uh, like really good friends with um, the uh, the coaches from the uh, New England Patriots. You know, Bill Parcell, yeah, Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick, and uh, yeah, it was cool, man. We had a great time until we drank too many of those stupid hurricane drinks down there. <laughs> oh my God, that's the worst. Well, the worst. There's more. There's more sugar than booze. <laughs> well, as you, as you said, with John, obviously phoned you up and said that you know he's he's writing a song or two, and then he said he was writing four, and then he said he was writing ten. Yeah. Was the plan for for you to be on the original two, and then the original four, and then? The next 10 yeah. was, was that always the plan was you always going to be writing you know was you always going to be the drummer for for every song oh yeah i mean that, yeah he was once he was good yeah his plan was to have me do the whole album absolutely wow so he obviously he obviously liked you then <laughs> yeah 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 i guess so so can you describe what it was like recording that album? Because obviously, f- for us, I mean, the the first well, it was great man. It was the, first of all, every song I heard, I I knew this is amazing. But yeah. "Blaze of Glory," I knew it was going to be a big hit. Yeah, I could just tell. I just knew it. it I just knew it was going to be big. And I remember, I'm the type of person when I record. I mean, I I I record as if it's a live show, a live performance, and I'm just going for it. And um, and I was I was going for it, and I uh, I just you know sweat was coming down my face. I was just totally sweat, and uh, it was like I was. I always play like it's my last performance, and I really give everything I can to it. And um, I was cool, man. I just knew that was gonna be big. And there was that middle section where it breaks down. I do like a marching drum thing. Yeah. For the listeners, what I did was I did I used I I wrote that part. Uh, I came up with that part and I, I I played it on four different snare drums, different sizes, and I even had them speed up the tape. And I would record one of the snare drums. I I duplicated. I know I may have had two parts, but the point is when you speed up the tape and you record it, when it's sped up, when you, you slow it down to the original speed. 
it lowers the serotonin. So a, a high serotonin could sound really low. And I stack these four drums together. It's really cool. Mm, well, uh, looking at the, you know, obviously the the track list, it, it, it isn't a bad song on it. As you said, you knew it was going to be a hit and you certainly knew Blaze yeah. of Glory was. But the one song that, yeah. for me and for fans, that really gets us is, is Santa Fe. I just think vocally, mm. musically, lyrically, everything, it's an absolute... We we call it a yeah. masterpiece. To be honest, it's it's yeah. one where it really shows off. Um, yeah. Obviously, John's vocal vocals. Um, yeah. And that, can you obviously can you remember recording every song for that album? Nope, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the I remember Blaze and Glory the most. Yeah. Uh, or, or or was it Billy Got Your Gun or yeah. something? Or... Yeah, Billy Got Your Gun. Yeah, Billy like, Got Your Gun. I write everything out. So I write all the drum parts out. So when I'm recording, I can really, uh, I can focus on the performance. And um, um, I remember walking in the first day and John would go, he always calls me Handsome Kenny. I don't know where he got that from. Maybe he calls everybody that, but you go, handsome, Kenny up. And I go, what? <laughs> I look behind me. I thought he was making fun of me. Because, I mean, you know, John's so good looking. I always thought he was making, <laughs> I thought he was making fun of me. So I turned around thinking he was talking to somebody else. And it was me. Like, I looked at him like, me? He's, yeah, handsome, Kenny up. <laughs> he still, you know, he just had a birthday and I texted him and, um, you know, he, d- he says the same thing. Hey, Hans, thank you. <laughs> well, that's actually, if I remember right, I'm going to have to have a little look at the uh, the booklet, but I'm saying it says handsome. Um, I'll have to have a little look it here. Might be, it might be, it might be. I'm saying, I'm, uh, something's telling me I remember seeing it years ago. It does as well on uh, Billy Get Your Guns. <laughs> handsome, <Yeah>. handsome. <laughs> that's the... <Yeah. laughs> It's like, yeah, yeah. So, yeah it's, it's like I said, he either is making fun of me or he's, he's being nice and he's unhandsome. I don't know. <laughs> That's a cool story. That, that The fact that, that, just when you said that, then something clicked in my head and I thought, I'm going to have to have a look. I've seen that somewhere. Yeah. And you were seeing that somewhere. Yeah. He's, a, he's, he's a, I don't see him that often, but he's one of the nicest guys I've ever met. Yeah. Very cool. So, obviously, as we said, we'll we'll carry on with the, the Blaze of Glory album, but we also recorded on Destination anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much input did you have on that album? Oh, we did, I did some cool stuff. I mean, the, that was with um, oh, the producer, super creative guy, or some of the songs were done with um, Dave, um, David, um, oh, you know, from the original, Stuart. From the original. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool, man. We did some cool stuff. Um, but I, on that record, I there was some. I created some loops where I would play like a small drum kit, and I play this this one beat over and over again, and then they they loop it and uh, and then run it through some some sort of you know electronic gear. So it's super cool. So we started to explore new ideas that we didn't do on Blaze of Glory. Hmm. And because that's what I was doing on other records too. You know, I'd learn all kinds of things from different projects and then I'd bring them to the other projects. You know, instead of hitting a snare drum with a stick, I'd hit it with a with a, 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 a gourd with beads on it. 
uh, and then have an African drum next to my hi hat. Yeah. And then instead of um, hitting a hi hat uh, with a stick, I would have a, a, I would play a crasher, which is this metal, you know, two pieces of metal uh, on top of each other, and I'd play it with something that looked like a coat hanger. Weird stuff. I'd mix it up. Same beats, but different. Um, with, but with different sounds, you know. How long did it take to record uh, both albums? Really, did they take? Did one take a lot longer than the other? Um, because they're, they're two well, very different sounding albums, really, aren't they? The, the John solo albums. Well, Blaze of Glory we did in two weeks. I mean, that's how long I spent in the studio. Wow. Um, yeah, two weeks. I mean, you took the weekend off, uh, so it'd be like maybe it was five days, or maybe it was a song a day. Wow. No, I don't, I don't know how many. It was but it took two weeks. Yeah. Destination Anywhere. Destination Anywhere. We did in segments. We do a couple of days up there. A Stewart. Dave Stewart studio, and then I we'd take a break. Mix, you know, we mixed it up. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, with you recording both, did you did you see a difference musically from from John? Because as I said, in my opinion, both albums are, are totally different. Um, you've got Destination Anywhere, which is almost quite like a I want to say a dark album, but it's not it's not too dark. It's just got it's got a dark type of vibe to it, whereas. Yeah, Blaze of Glory, Young Guns 2 is quite a powerful album, I find. Um, th- did you notice the two? And obviously, when you were in the, the studio recording both albums, did you know notice a difference? Of course, absolutely. I, I can hear everything, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Two different things. What you yeah, everybody, everybody grows and everyone develops, and you know. What what was it like listening to to John record? Because vocally, as I said, Blaze of Glory is pretty much. John Bon Jovi at his peak. What did you think of his vocals? Yeah. Obviously, once you started there and sing live in front of you. Oh, it's great. Yeah. When you hear a singer like that, it motivates you to play, you know, differently. Did he? Did, you know, he sorry, go on. Well, you know, when I play, that's what I love recording when a singer sings live in the studio with you, and, you know, um, it uh, motivates me to play differently, and then I motivate him to play differently, sing differently. You know, that's that's some of the reason why maybe that that um, people will hire me because I motivate the session. Yeah, I get along with people. It's not just my playing; it's it's more than that. It's 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 my energy. It's my personality. And uh, yeah, I I definitely connected with John. Did did, did obviously. With, with recording the, the, the both albums and then did you think that had an impact on your obviously recording some songs for for richie did how did that come about did he did you think it was john kind of said you know come and ask this guy to record on, on your album well my concern was that one guy wouldn't want to have me play on their record if, if that was on the other guy's record. yeah but i did john's first then I think that Richie, but it was the producer that hired me to do Richie's with Don was. Ah, okay. And um, yeah, and um, it wasn't Richie, but Richie approved it. Mm. You know, everybody approves. You know, the artist always approves. You know, but yeah, I mean, um, I think it was a, I think it was a crazy time where I was going back and forth, like maybe within one month. 
back and forth. Um, well, I might have been doing John's, and then I was doing Richie's, and I was doing the Rolling Stones, mm. playing percussion on their record, John Fogarty during the, the day. I mean, it was just insane what I was doing. Was jumping from one thing to the next. With the, the Young Ones album, we know that Jeff Beck was on it as well, and Elton John, and a, a couple of other famous musicians. Was there a time when yeah. all of them were on that album? It, all of them were in the studio at the same time? I never saw Jeff Beck, but Little Richard and um, Little Richard and um, Elton John were there. I think the same time. Wow, that must yeah. have been like, unbelievable yeah. to witness. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. What was it? What was Elton John like working? Well, obviously, as I said, I've seen on your list that you you worked with them before as well. But oh yeah, yeah, he was fantastic. And I, it, it was great. He asked me to go tour them, and it was one of the most difficult things I've ever done. Was I turned it down because I wasn't ready to leave John Mellencamp, oh. and I went on tour. I mean, I I I, I turned on Elton John tour to stay with Mellencamp. That was almost one of my regrets, you know. Did John ever ask you to go on tour? In my life, yeah. Did Did, did John Bon Jovi ever ask you to go on tour with with? Any of the albums, obviously, plays a glory on Destination Anyway. Yeah, he did. He wanted me to go out with Destination Anywhere to promote it, but I was going on tour with John Fogarty. Ah, okay. and I had already been committed to that. Yeah, that was that was that was horrible having to say no to John. Oh, it really stuck. Mm. We went out to dinner. It was just me and him hanging out. And uh, yeah, that oh, man, I wasn't ready because. I was kind of, I was a member of the Fogarty band, so we were going out all the time uh, and touring a lot. And John was going to go out and do a promo tour, and I, I, I had to make a choice, and so I did. And I, I, that was another time I regretted. That was a tough decision. I suppose if if you know, as you said, if you've if you've kind of agreed to to doing something already, it's just one of them things, I suppose, isn't it? You can't. Well, most of the time I try to do that, but things things do come up where you have. Uh, that was a tough one, man. Yeah, you know, I wanted to do both. I there was, I I it was a tough one. You, you can't win. Yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna disappoint somebody and yourself. Yeah, and that's just the way it is. I get I get into that quite a bit. Well, <laughs> you know. Did they, how much? I, uh, how like? Uh, how much influence did the working on the you know the Blaze of Glory album make you want to work on the the Destination Anywhere album? Did did, did they, was it just a no brainer to say, yep, yeah, I'll work on your second album? Oh yeah, well, it's never, I always say yes to everything. Okay. Unless I never say no, unless the only time I say no is because I'm busy. Yeah, I'm already booked. Yeah, that's the only time I say no. I mean. No, that that wasn't a problem. Um, actually, uh, there was a minute there. I was my uh, well, I, yeah, yeah. There was another uh, another time. John asked me to do do a possibly tour, but uh, but it, it ended up then it, it it didn't happen. Yeah. And I played with him with um, with in front of uh, Bill Clinton, okay. uh, the president of the United States once at the Ford Theater. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, as I was, when I was saying about Elton John before, and 
he featured on um dying ain't much of living the, the song on blaze of glory how much yeah. input did he have on that song did he did he turn up and, and change anything that that john had already planned or did he just kind of go with the flow well the demos were very well worked out mm. um and we pretty much say strict to it but i can't remember if we did any editing because before we went in we were very very prepared he was very prepared with danny Korchmar, Aldenova was involved i think and uh john so everything had been sorted out pretty well yeah again just kind of going going back i know i keep going back to it but the the, the blaze of glory album but when you was doing them two weeks and you said you know yeah i know this is going to be this is going to be a, a good album did it how can i wait did they kind of to, to you did they go bigger than you even imagined because as i said you know solo albums obviously the band bon jovi were kind of hitting really like a peak at this point with new jersey and slippery when wet and then for john to go solo i suppose that was a big risk but you said you kind of knew straight away it was going to be a big album so did they did they over you know overtake your expectations oh no i thought it was going to be really big i just it was so the music was so good it was so john mm. i knew i just knew it was going to be big plus bon jovi had such a huge following yeah and and usually when the lead singer puts out a record they're going to draw from the band but what john realized though in my opinion is he realized John John Bon Jovi is one thing, but Bon Jovi is bigger. The band is bigger than the individual. Yeah. The band, the band, um, and uh, teams are bigger than individuals. Teams win Super Bowls and World Cups and World Series and NBA playoffs and Stanley Cup hockey tournaments. Not individual, but every individual on the team should strive to be the MVP, the, you know, the, the, strive to be the best they can be on, on the team they are. So like Bon Jovi, John is an MVP player um, in the John Bon Jovi band, yeah. just like Richie is and, and when Tico uh, and all these guys, they're all MVP players and the best. Yeah. But as a team, they work better than as individuals. Same with Mick, Mick, Mick uh, Jagger, right? playing a couple of his records and uh Mick um you know he, he figured it out Mick Jagger's Mick Jagger but he knows he's got the fucking Rolling Stones yeah it's the whole Rolling Stones it's the Rolling Stones that's what these guys are, are brilliant at you know they figured that out when when obviously you you got asked to do Destination Anywhere as well did you did you notice a change in, in John's character at all? Had he matured from six years before, yeah. seven years before yeah. as a person? Yeah. And and as yeah, a musician, absolutely. I suppose. Every artist, as they try to progress and keep their career going, they tend to get more and more serious because now they understand uh, that, you know, their time is only for a short, short period of time what Bon Jovi's done, just like a Springsteen or even an Elton John, to sustain that kind of uh, following is huge. That's a big deal. Very hard to do that. But eventually, you know, you, you, 
<laughs> your fans die off. <laughs> and yeah. then they go, eventually you can't keep going up, 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 and up. But I think that the, the, John, John, at that point in his career, was seeing how it gets more and more difficult to come up with, you know, phenomenal hits. And, and uh, you know, it's tougher and tougher to stay at the top. And John's done an amazing job doing that. You know, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, obviously, they're my favorite band, but they're still, you know, they're still getting the number one albums and still getting the number one tours. So, as you said, it's it, certainly John, and obviously the band. As you said, it's it's a team of have all done extremely well to, to be in the position they're still in now, let alone twenty yeah. years ago. Um, yeah. But uh, as I said, you know, with him being, he kind of you said that you've seen a change in his character and. And towards his music and what a lot of us fans hear from from people who've worked with john and, and but certainly just fans who've met him and, and, and other bits they say that john's a perfectionist when you're in the studio do you do you, do you get that impression as well uh, oh he's a heavy perfectionist mm. yeah john is extremely uh Competitive with himself and and uh, perfectionist, absolutely. Do you, do you still listen to, to to any of the the Bon Jovi music now? Are you are you aware of what they release or anything anymore? No, I haven't heard. Why? Well, I, I mean, I listen to his records when they come out, but I don't know what. I have any idea what they're doing except what they're recording right now? Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, yeah, they're in Nashville as well now at the moment, recording the next album. So obviously, yeah, you, that, yeah, that's where they are right now. Yeah, I think. Well, the the good thing that I'm seeing there with with this new album is that they've got you know Phil X is is in the studio with them as well because I think one thing that Bon Jovi are missing is is a heavier sound. I think they've uh, what a lot of fans are saying is that the the, the music is is kind of rolling into one now. It's getting very uh, the last album sounds like the one before and and so on. And I think it'd be good now that they're all in the studio together for the first time in a while. Hopefully we get that that sort of rock album that that all us Bon Jovi fans wants. Yeah, it's 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 a tricky thing. You 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 make changes with producers, songwriters. If it's just working, you don't want to mess it up. Uh, and but on the other hand, you know you want to try to stretch out and come up with and you want to keep coming up with new ideas and new sounds. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they do. I'm sure they're thinking about that. That's I always used to do that with Mellencamp. Ten records are always trying to figure out what can we do that we haven't done, but still sound like ourselves. With seeing Phil X and, and John Shanks and, and Tico uh, at the Jimi Hendrix experience, what, did did you did you get to chat to them for for a, for a while at all? Uh, yeah, yeah, oh, that's cool. Oh yeah, there was a lot a lot of people backstage. It was a it was a national. We had you know. Brad from Aerosmith, you had all kinds of musicians there come see this Hendrix show because it's really, really a big show. Yeah. You know, it's really cool. You got so many artists playing, you know. Have you have you listened to any of Phil X's music before? Obviously he's got a band called The Drills. Oh yeah, no, yeah. Oh yeah, I played live with him. Uh, uh, I really? recorded with him. Oh wow. Yeah. What was that like? Great. Yeah, he's a he's a fantastic guitarist, I must say. Phil yeah. X. Um, obviously with, with Richie leaving, I was I was always a little bit scared of what it would be like having somebody else on stage, but he certainly he does a he does a fantastic job. 
really, really fantastic yeah. job. Oh yeah, he's one of the best guitar players out there. What I was going to ask you was, um, obviously we said that John done two solo albums and in about 1999, 2000, just before the Crush album came out, there was rumours that he was doing a third album called Sex Cells. Was you mm. was you asked to be involved in, in that album at all? I no, I didn't know anything about it. Ah, okay, yeah. It was it ended up getting changed. It ended up being like a band album in the end. Um, but it was originally meant to be a John Mon uh, th this is the rumour anyway, I don't know how much of it's true, but uh, apparently John was writing for the third album and then he ended up making it into a band album. Um Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know about that, you know. I don't know how much of it he actually recorded like as a solo artist, to be honest with you. I don't know whether he maybe demoed some stuff on his own and then um, just decided to make it into a band album. But, that, but that's certainly like what we, us fans have heard. It was, it, I was wondering whether you'd maybe have been asked to, to be on that album as well. Yeah. No, I wasn't involved. I, 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 you're, you're the first time I've heard about it. When was the last time you you done it like kind of made me, was it Destination Anywhere the last time you made any type of music with yeah. John? Wow, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So how, how long is that album now? 20, 22 years ago. Yeah, exactly. Time flies, doesn't it? Yeah, 22, it does. Twenty-two years. I was only I was only three years old, four years old when that album came out. <laughs> Uh, so was I. <laughs> so as we we discussed um, with Richie doing, you know, Undiscovered Soul, and you played on on his album. Obviously, Richie has done Aftermath of the Lowdown in two thousand twelve. Did again? Did did you get asked to to be on that album at all? Which which one was um... Richie's Richie's which... third solo well, album? I, no, I just the only one. I got asked to do the one I did, and uh, that was because Don was the producer. The next one, right, the, the recent one, is that what the one you were talking about? Yeah. That came out a couple of years ago? Aftermath of no, the Lowdown, yeah. No, he, I didn't get asked to do that. He probably just wanted to do a different thing. Yeah. I think he actually had, like, a, a kind of a, a full band for, for that album, if I'm yeah. not mistaken, as well. Yeah, I think it I, may have been his touring yeah. band. Um, yeah, so I, so I know all those guys. If, if obviously, if John... Was, I mean, you said there that you you kind of never say no, but there's there's always been rumours that John's going to do another solo album. So in 2012, before um, the What About Now album, there was there was talks of John doing it because he'd done a couple of yeah. solo songs, didn't he, for, um, for, for a film. I think it was called Stand Up Guys. Um, I might be wrong. But again, if John had, would have asked you to, to be on that album, would you, have, would you have happily have said yes for another solo album? Oh, absolutely. How, how, how often do you, do you speak to John? Uh, maybe once a year. Oh, okay. I text him maybe a couple of times a year. Yeah. Was he was it was it planned for for Phil X, John Shanks, and Tico to go to the the Hendrix Experience? Did you did you know that they were going to be there? No. Ah. Wonder if. Um... The, the, the band plan on going there, they're like going to see them another time because obviously, as I said, that the full the full band are in are in the studio at the moment. Yeah, I know. So be... I know because I know I knew they were there. Yeah, uh, I was gonna call them up 
Yeah, but we we roll in and we roll out the next that that night after the show. Yeah. So how how many shows this year are you doing with the the Hendrix Experience? Oh, I make uh, I don't know how many, maybe thirty shows. It's like every day, almost every day is a show. Wow. Uh, I go till April sixth. Every day is a different city. It's a day off today. Yeah. We'll maybe do five shows in a row. Maybe have a day off. Five shows in a row. Do a day off. Just keep going. Is it going to come over to the UK? No, I wish it was. Is it not? No. Uh, no, it's not right now. But uh, it's 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 a very complicated tour because uh, because um, you have so many different artists, with so many different managers, with so many different this, and so many different that. Yeah, it's easier to do with one band. It's very complicated to do it with that many people. So and 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 uh, and and not knowing, I think it's, it'll it would sell incredibly well in England, France, Germany. Uh, oh my God, you know, uh, yeah, it, it would do very well. Mm. I mean, amazing. Well, you know, I, I'm gonna have to get off because I got to get to another um, interview. Um, um, so I, I, I really appreciate you, you know, calling me and having me part of this. Ah, uh, no, this was good to you. Yeah, honestly, like, th- thanks very much for, for your time. Um, absolutely, it's it's been, as I said, a, a pleasure to to speak to you, and I, you know, there's, there's so much that I wanted to to, to chat about because, obviously, as I said, we've got um. A couple of uh, fan questions and that. Have you got any time to answer a couple of fan questions before you leave? Sure. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Um, Send me. Tell me those. Okay. I've got. I've got. I've got a couple. Um. So one of them was. Um. What's your What's your best memory of the the Blaze of Glory sessions? What's the best one? Your best memory from the from the young the Blaze of Glory sessions. Recording Blaze of Glory. Yeah. That my best memory. And having some good talks with John after the session. Can you um, obviously can is there a certain part as I said when when I listen to Santa Fe that kind of just blows me away listening to John's vocals was there a time uh, when you were recording that album that that it just made you go wow. No, Blaze of Glory was the one that did it the most. Really? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they all did, but the, I, I mean, I was just so happy to be there. Uh, but that one is the one. It was so long ago. That's the one that sticks out the most. What was obviously, as I said, I wasn't I wasn't born at that time. But what? How big of a hit was that actually? Because when you when like to to, to this day, when I mention Bon Jovi, a lot of people who aren't really fans of the band kind of say, "Ah, oh, yeah, Blaze of Glory." Um, so just how big was that song when it got released? Uh, I you know I thought it went to number one on the top. 100 singles but it didn't but it was number one on some other charts but it did really well i went way it was way up there in the top 10 i I think it was at least in the top 10. it was definitely it's definitely like a i think over here it done really over in the uk it done really really well um yeah i said that that that's kind of like one of them songs that you mentioned bon jovi and that that's that's an answer that 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 people always give you they always say oh please glory um, are you saying people don't know it, or they do? Know no, it? that they do. Yeah, they, like it. It seems to be the song that a lot of people take to. Um, yeah. So, yeah. To, yeah. 
It's just talking. Was there another on, question that somebody asked? Yeah. That somebody else had? Yeah, just talking on on Santa Fe. Um, somebody said that John was very was was John very enthusiastic about the song because live it doesn't really get played. So was it a song that he he took to straight away? I don't know. It obviously made the album, so yeah, you would never put it down if you didn't like it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. somebody else said, uh, "Can you remember any songs that didn't make the Blaze of Glory album, and can you remember why they wouldn't make it?" No, too long ago. <laughs> can you remember how many songs got like got recorded for that album? Can't remember, but I have a file of all my charts from that sessions in, in, at home oh, wow. in LA. But I, I would have to go in that file, and that was like nineteen. 19- crazy how quick time time goes i said yeah. that you know 1990 and you're, and you're only how old are you now i'm 25 yeah you're 25 and you're saying that well you know what one quarter of your life could be over or one fourth of your life could be yeah. over yeah it's it's frightening really um and then somebody said i think this is quite a good one and you've kind of touched on this at the start if you could make a band out of old musicians not even so much who you've played with um, but but if you know if you wanted to, could you make a full band and who who would be in it? So vocalist, guitarist, bassist, and on keyboards, and obviously yourself on drums. Oh my god, we begin. I mean, like I said, Sting, Jeff Beck, have Elton John play piano, and Dave Roll play the other guitar. <laughs> Maybe Josh Home in there somewhere. Oh my god, there's so many, you know. And Lady Gaga is the backup singer. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> you know, she's one of the most talented people I've ever played with in my life. Ridiculous. Really? Yeah. Ridiculous. Was you, Unbelievable. Was you working on her new album? No. Uh, I was live with her in front of the president. Wow, okay. Yeah, we were honoring a Sting. We played the Sting song. And she sat there and played on piano. She kept working it and practicing and she she uh, kept developing. She can read music. She can make. It's just ridiculous that, how good she was. Yeah, that's that's incredible, that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, listen, I, I really really thank you for your time. Um, well, you're welcome, man. It's been. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I have to get up. I have another interview. It starts in like three minutes. Yeah, honestly, it's yeah. been an absolute pleasure to have you yeah. on, though. Okay, man. Well, take care. Thank you for having part of your podcast. No, and you. Thanks very much for your time. Um, and hopefully speak okay. to you soon sometime. All right. All right. Well, you take care. And you. Thanks very much. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Cheers. Bye.